0: Hello, and welcome to Queen V, the life of Queen Victoria. My name is Donnie Hazel, and I am your host. If you wish to support this podcast, there will be a link provided for you in the show details, and it will be very much appreciated as it goes to help support the cost of maintaining the podcast and our website. With that said, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Queen V, the
1: life of Queen Victoria.
0: In part four, it's 1838, and plans for the coronation are getting underway. Imogen Stubbs stars as young Queen Victoria.
1: As yet uncrowned, Victoria is already making her mark. Although, according to the Times, it's Lord Melbourne who writes her speeches... ...which are full of Whig catchphrases and bias. "'Poor little queen,' said Thomas Carlyle. "'She's at an age at which a girl can hardly be trusted to choose a bonnet for herself. "'Yet a task is laid upon her from which an archangel might shrink.'" What a remarkable young woman she is. Not even one month has passed, and she's already every inch a queen commanding respect from every quarter, quick to learn and eager to fulfil all of her duties. I am much moved. On Monday, she prorogued Parliament, entering the House of Lords, preceded by the Officers of State, wearing the parliamentary robe which she found enormously heavy. There was great curiosity among the English aristocracy. Old Lady Jersey had armed herself with powerful opera glasses, which she relentlessly fixed upon the young Queen.
0: At ten minutes past two, came Lord Palmerston, the Foreign Secretary, and stayed till six minutes past three. We talked about Russia and Turkey a good deal, etc. He is very agreeable and clear in what he says. Indeed, my days are filled with a variety of activities that are both testing and invigorating. I think the guardsmen and lancers quite the most dashing of men. Do you not think so, Lord Melbourne?
1: Oh, quite.
0: Oh, that was so exhilarating. And darling Leopold behaved beautifully. I was quite nervous about cantering up and down the lines, but it was wonderful.
1: And if I may say so, Your Majesty, your control of Leopold when you reached your first position was exemplary. (laughs) Not a movement, despite the manoeuvres and the band playing.
0: I think for the first time I felt like a man. I do believe, Lord Melbourne, that I could lead my troops into battle.
1: (laughs) As your faithful servant, ma'am, I could not allow such a thing. But the men much admired your salute, and so did I
0: Another canter, I think, as far as the avenue. Can you keep up with me? I almost wish we were back in Kensington Palace. No, this place is not to my liking. And my daughter sees fit to keep me away from her apartments. I think Her Majesty is only concerned for your comfort. Mm. Buckingham Palace is convenient for Parliament, and it is also large enough to accommodate a greater number of people, all quite privately. Then why has she ordered a door to be cut between your rooms and hers? A servant must be at hand, madam. But not her mother. Mama, I did not expect to find you here. Your Majesty. Victoria. I have been much concerned with parliamentary papers. You've settled in, I hope. I much prefer Windsor and would choose to spend more time there. Will you excuse me, please, ma'am? I have my duties. Indeed, dear Letson. Come to me later. We must go through the newspapers. Yes, ma'am. Now that we are alone, I would like to raise the subject of my well-being. Every effort has been made, Mamma, to make you feel at home. Then why may I not entertain guests of my choosing? You refer to Sir John Conroy, I suppose. And his dear daughters. It seems so unfair that they may not be received at court. Please stop this, Mamma. The constant letters from you on the subject are becoming an irritation. I have much more important things to consider. That is patently obvious to me. Sir John has been given a title he doesn't warrant, and an extravagant pension. That, in my view, is quite enough. You will not prevent me from asking him to the Guildhall banquet. I cannot depart from the line of conduct which I have adopted. This is all too much, Mama. I beg you. That is still the matter of all the debts you have incurred. And
1: in your position, my dear daughter, they can easily be settled. Not so. Then perhaps I should throw myself on the mercy of Parliament. If the Queen cannot provide for her own mother, what else can I do? <clears throat> your Majesty... Lord Melbourne
0: awaits. My dear Lord Melbourne, how good it is to see you.
1: Your Majesty is well, I hope. Perturbed. Then, ma'am, you must allow me to listen to your concerns. I am always here to advise you, as it were, if I'm able.
0: My mother is disgruntled. It hurts me greatly that I should have to treat her with such harshness, but it is difficult to keep my resolve.
1: The Duchess can be a determined woman, but she and Sir John cannot harm you now.
0: But there are still the constant arguments about my mother's debts. She demands that I contribute £10,000 out of my privy purse towards her. No,
1: no, that simply won't do. She
0: threatens to throw herself at the mercy of Parliament, shaming me at the same time. No,
1: no, no, she will not do that. It would amount to blackmail. Leave it with me, ma'am. We have a much more important matter to discuss. The plans for your forthcoming coronation. The 28th of June,
0: 1838. I was awoke at four o'clock. By the guns in the park, and could not get much sleep afterwards on account of the noise of the people, bands, etc. I reached the abbey amid deafening cheers at a little after half past eleven. I first went into the robing room, quite close to the entrance, where I found my eight train bearers, all dressed alike and beautifully, in white satin and silver tissue, with wreaths of silver cornears in front. ...and a small one of pink roses round the plait behind and in the trimming of the dresses. At the beginning of the anthem, I retired to St. Edward's Chapel... ...a dark, small place behind the altar, with my ladies and train-bearers. Took off my crimson robe and kirtle... ...and put on the super-tunica of cloth of gold, also in the shape of a kirtle. I also took off my circlet of diamonds and proceeded bareheaded into the abbey... The crown being placed on my head was, I must own, a most beautiful, impressive moment. All the peers and peeresses put on their coronets at the same instant. (laughs) Poor Lord Roll. I wasn't quite certain what to do. When he fell down the steps, I thought I should rush down to help him. He got up of his own accord. At eighty-one? No mean feat.
1: Your Majesty showed great compassion in rising from the throne to meet him.
0: And did you hear the cheers when you paid homage to me, Lord Melbourne? Mm -hmm. Yes, and it was so moving when they touched the crown and kissed your hand.
1: Ah, I must congratulate you on this most brilliant day. And you did it all so beautifully.
0: My daughter has been well tutored by her mother on such matters.
1: Quite. And I could tell that you were moved by it all.
0: I believe I was.
1: But that is natural. Oh, you must be feeling very tired now, Your Majesty. But you did it all so well.
0: Thank you, Lord Melbourne.
1: (laughs) The excitement died down eventually. But it has to be said that the coronation captured the heart and soul of the nation... "'The Queen continues to concern herself with affairs of state both at home and abroad, "'and I feel that we can broach any topic with a certainty that she will offer a useful insight. "'Meanwhile, she is much distracted, however, with wretched Lady Flora Hastings, "'who has returned to the household apparently with child. "'I have urged that the Queen should ignore the whole affair, "'but this is becoming more and more difficult.'
0: Lady Flora, after lengthy protests, agreed to be examined.
1: And the outcome?
0: She was found to be a virgin. The swollen stomach is caused by some other oddity.
1: Relief all round, I would think.
0: I wish I'd never met the lady. The scandal has broken and the public are taking her side. She is steadily diminishing my popularity in the country and they're calling me a heartless child.
1: There are other problems in the house to be concerning us, ma'am. I have indicated how I am losing my hold on the Commons.
0: Oh, yes, the question of the Jamaican sugar planters. Mm. How absurd that a matter which is colonial and not directly concerned with us should assume such importance. They should be made to approve the abolition of slavery and Negro apprenticeship.
1: Well, the government has proposed that we suspend the Constitution of Jamaica for five years. Sensible. The Tories won't have it. And they're supported by quite a number of radicals. All of this, ma'am... Could be my downfall. The 7th of May,
0: 1839. The state of agony, grief and despair into which this placed me may be easier imagined than described. All my happiness gone. That happy, peaceful life destroyed. That dearest, kind Lord Melbourne no more, my minister. I sobbed and cried much. I wrote to Sir Robert Peel, who came to see me embarrassed and put out. I asked him to form a new ministry. He says entering the government in a minority is very difficult. He felt it arduous, and that he would require me to demonstrate confidence in the government.
1: Tragically, Lady Flora's condition worsened, and she died without a struggle, poor thing. Five thousand people showed up at her funeral, and although the Queen did not attend, stones were thrown at the carriage she sent. My friendship with the Queen continues, and I note that Her Majesty is becoming disillusioned, quite fat and indolent. The honeymoon period is over, I fear, and she needs the support and stimulus of a partner. To this end, I have suggested that she delay no longer in considering the possibility of marriage. Your Majesty, Lord Melbourne. Your Majesty.
0: I will come to the point immediately. I have decided to marry Albert.
1: You have? And when did you have in mind to do this?
0: In about a year.
1: Too long. I think Parliament should be assembled in order to make provision for him. But the matter shouldn't be talked about yet, in case of any objection. Oh? Although I don't think there'll be much. On the contrary, I think it'll be very well received.
0: The 10th of October, 1839. As we were returning along the new walk, one of my pages came running with a letter from Uncle Leopold, saying my cousins would be here very soon. At half-past seven... I went to the top of the staircase. It was with some emotion that I beheld Albert, who is beautiful. Lord Melbourne remarked that I might take a week to make up my mind, but I have no need to delay my decision. Since I last saw him, Albert has grown into such a fine young man that my heart is quite going. His beauty is most striking, and he so amiable and unaffected. In short, very fascinating. He's excessively admired here. After dinner last night, we sat together on the sofa. Lord Melbourne sitting near me, Ernest playing at chess, and many being seated round the table. I played two games at Tactics with dear Albert and two at Fox and Geese. Stayed up till twenty minutes past eleven. A delightful evening. These last few days have passed like a dream to me. And I am so much bewildered by it all that I know hardly how to write. But I do feel very, very happy. Indeed, I have made up my mind to marry him. Thank you for listening to this episode of Queen Bee, the life of Queen Victoria. Remember, if you would like to support this podcast, you can look in the show description notes to find a link. Thank you and have a great day.